0: Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Pod. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell's here to cover all things Wisconsin athletics. And to start the show today, we are of course going to get into the Badgers' huge win at the Kohl Center against the Maryland Terrapins—a 56-54 thriller back and forth throughout much of the game. Really exciting. Looked a little bleak at the end, but obviously Brad Davison had a, a pretty special couple seconds to to force a turnover and then, of course, hit the game-winning shot. So we'll get into all of that game, but pretty exciting stuff as we get into it. And then after that, we will do an, our next position preview. We alluded to it on the last show that we were going to do offense and then defense. So we're going to talk a little bit and recap the season for the safety position. Obviously, Eric Burrell, Reggie Pearson, a few of those guys had really strong years. So we'll get into that in the back half of the show. Matt, how are we doing tonight?
1: Doing good. Uh, you know, two phenomenal games the last two nights with the national championship and then uh, the Wisconsin win over Maryland uh, and, you know, a couple late nights, but some very good, uh, exciting stuff happening around the, the world of college sports. And, uh, you know, I've got a little cold, but at the same time, just uh, to watch how those two games unfolded the way that they did were were definitely exciting. Um, more so, the Badger game in my eyes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Both of them were were a lot of fun to watch. The national championship. I don't know about you. I mean, both obviously you and I have both watched a lot of college football. Just the the speed and the athleticism between those te- two teams. That football game looked completely different to what anything I've seen. <laughs> on the Wisconsin, yeah, out of the Wisconsin Badgers this season. And that's not a knock on the Badgers by any I means. Obviously, these two teams were tremendously talented, but man, when those teams really go off and and square up like that, you know, throw punches back and forth, and with the speed that they have, it was it was pretty crazy to watch. Yeah, I think the Wisconsin Ohio State game in
1: the Big Ten Championship was the only thing that was even remotely close to that, uh, in my eyes, in terms of competition level and. Where you could tell that just the speed of the game and and the the prowess of the players um, taking shape.
0: Yeah, and that it kind of shows the, you know that's what it takes to it takes a, a lot of players like that collectively to put together a a season like both of those two teams did. And obviously, it only ended on a positive note for one of them. But but that LSU team was was pretty special, and, and it will probably go down as as one of the best ever. But Let's get into the basketball game a little bit. Obviously, like we said, a 56-54 thriller, big win in terms of Big Ten standings uh, in this in this crazy conference. You know, after uh, you know some some up and down to begin the season, the Badgers have have definitely started to find their footing in conference play. So, just in the overall picture, how big is it to knock off another ranked team for Wisconsin? Oh, I mean, it's it's
1: huge. You know, they came out the gates a little cold, um, losing losing to some really formidable opponents, but it, but nonetheless, losing to teams that were kind of mid-major programs. Uh, I think they've kind of regained their footing. Micah Potter's uh, emergence and, and getting into the lineup has been huge. He's been a godsend in a lot of ways. And just the, the way that the Badgers are able to kind of shift their identity um, to the defensive end has been huge. I mean, you look at Holding Maryland, a team who averages about, I think it was like 73 points a game, to only 54 goes a long way. Because you, you narrow, or <laughs> excuse me, um, ex- extend the margin of error that you have if you're playing really good defense. Because Wisconsin hasn't been an offensive juggernaut all season long. But on the defensive end, they are
0: one of the better teams in the conference, if not the nation, uh, in what they're doing. Yeah, they it was tremendous to watch. You know, we came into this game obviously a little bit worried about the Anthony Cowan's presence and and how the Badgers would match up with with a guy like that that's so explosive at the guard position but for the most part it seemed like the Badgers did a pretty solid job on on preventing him from from really taking over obviously he he played 38 minutes only put in 16 points and he's obviously a, you know a true guard where he's involved in in the passing game and running the offense as well he only had 3 assists so from a from a you know defensive standpoint, I think they really did an excellent job on shutting down you know him and just, obviously he was allowed to get his, but really did a good job on one of the top guards in, in in the nation. And Jalen Smith was probably more of the presence on the court that really gave the Badgers fits, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I mean Jalen Smith was, was was dominant on the offensive rebounding side. He had five offensive boards, put in 18 points. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a specimen at 6'10", and very athletic. You saw him hit outside on the three-pointer, two of them. You know, I think that's Nate Reavers was kind of called upon to, to try to stop that pick-and-pop because he is so talented, one of the better big forwards in the, in the league. But Anthony Cowan is just so quick. Wisconsin struggled at times, I think, to, to match his quickness. Um, I think Demetrius Trice did a fairly good job. I think that's partly why we saw the offensive struggles for him is because he was exhausting so much energy trying to keep up with Um, the quickness of Anthony Cowan and what he brings to the table but overall just the Badgers just did a phenomenal job I mean if you can hold those two guys to 34 points you're doing okay because the rest of the team wasn't uh wasn't doing much because the rest of other than Aaron Wiggins who had 13 nobody else had more than two points for for Maryland so I think it's it's pretty telling that they allowed those guys to to be who they are you know who who are stars in the Big Ten, but they didn't let the other guys really hurt them, and it went a long way in securing the victory.
0: Yeah, it was it was impressive for sure because you you think of the the Illinois game, which had you know obviously they're different players, but they they had that you know forward guard combo that that gave the Badgers a lot of fits, and you came into this game kind of thinking okay, they've kind of got that same roster with you know an explosive guard that can really score and they've got some interior guys that can really, you know, get in there and and, and cause havoc on your interior defense. So, I think a lot I think you and I were both kind of on the same page that, that that was a worrisome aspect of it coming in, but once again, this Badger team showed that you know, defensively, they are they are incredibly sound. I mean, if you throw out that Illinois game, they've been keeping opponents in that, you know, high 40s, low 50s uh, you know, scoring range for probably what the last six six out of the last seven games, right? yeah, no, they've been doing really good, and I think it's a big reason
1: for the turnaround this season. um, you know, the shots still aren't falling, they just aren't. they shot forty percent, which is which isn't terrible from the field um shot thirty one percent from three point or uh um, 45% for the game and 33% from the three-point line. But neither of those are are really um, numbers to run home and, and tell your mom about. I don't think the Badgers are satisfied with those numbers. They would like them to be a little bit higher. But in the Big Ten, if you play
0: really good defense, those kind of numbers can win you a game. Let's talk about the offense a little bit. Obviously, the the points leader was Nate Reavers. Mike Potter seemed to... He seemed to score more than he did. He only had 14, but a lot of his buckets were timely. Same thing kind of goes for Brad Davison, obviously, with the, the big stretch down a you know, big shot down the stretch. But those three guys were, were pretty much you know, the, the bulk of the scoring for the Badgers. When you only score 56, 14, 14, and 17 is, is going to do most of it. But what did you make of those guys uh, in terms of their offensive games uh, last night?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Micah Potter has been great uh, offensively off the bench. He really can spark the team a lot of times. Nate Reavers is pretty consistent. He, He got his, he usually averages about 15 a game. He got 17, you know, after a after only getting four against Penn State, I think it was huge for him to come bounce back in a major way and, and kind of lift the team, going against a really, really talented forward. I mean, Jalen Smith is going to be a guy who's going to be drafted likely the first round next season, a late first round, I would imagine, just because of his length and the way he's improved his game. But Nate Reavers held his own, did a really nice job. Um, Tyler Wall, I mean, uh, Micah Potter did a good job offensively against him. You know, he shot six to seven, so he was just lightning in a bottle when he was on the court. Uh, for, on the offensive end, you know, it was the defensive end that kind of struggled for him. But then Brad Davison, man, that that last three pointer was was just clutch as hell. After uh, I, I I tweeted it out that it was like the worst offensive possession of all time. Uh, that they just kind of stalled and everybody looked around and didn't know who the hell was gonna shoot the ball. And Davison ended up just chucking one up. But uh, but uh, overall, for him to come back with the big defensive play and then hit, drill that three, it was. It was monumental. What did you see out of the offense?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, those three guys are are, are starting to appear that they're going to be probably the top three scoring threats. And you'll you'll mix in Kobe King, you know, oftentimes into that rotation. He's going to have certain matchups that he, he does well in, like you saw a couple games so far this season. But really, Brad Davis, and like you mentioned, the shot was, down the end was infuriating. I almost missed the turnover simply because I was so frustrated that last that last offensive possession. But at the same time, you know, I think the offense is starting to find some rhythm for those three guys. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, finding if, if they can find a way to get Reavers uh, and Potter on the floor at the same time. It, I think it would be beneficial. But obviously, that's for Greg Gard to still kind of figure out. But overall, you know, the the offense doesn't need to be profoundly spectacular if they're playing defense the way they have. And, and so far. That's that's kind of what's won them games. And if you're going to have three guys that pour in, you know, 14 to 15 to 17 points and you play you know, great defense on the other end, that can win you a lot of basketball games. So, you know, nothing, nothing that's going to you know, light the score sheet on fire, but enough to, again, win games consistently, which they've started to do these last couple weeks. One guy I wanted to touch on a little bit before we dive into we'll dive into more of the end of the game a little bit, but. Dimitri Trice, uh, another game left off the score sheet, zero points for back-to-back games. What do you kind of see from him? What's kind of going on with uh, you know Dimitri Trice, who early in his career looked like he was going to be a really profound player for the Badgers, and he's had his moments, but these last four or five games, it's it's really seemed to be a struggle for Dimitri Trice uh, and you know getting his points. And, And obviously he's played. Well, on the defensive end, at times, but it it really seems like he's struggling right now. Yeah,
1: he's kind of just out of sorts. It seems his confidence isn't super high. You could tell there was he had a couple turnovers that it, that I mean, a turnover that he was it just kind of slipped out of his hand because he was trying to overthink it. He he's he's a guy that is a rhythm shooter. He needs to kind of get that going. Um, he's been cold. He's just been cold. You know, 0 for 5 uh, in this one. Aleem Ford 0-3. So I think they both are kind of at the same trajectory. You're seeing more time for Trevor Anderson. You're seeing more time with Kobe King and Brad Davison on the court. You know, Kobe King kind of sliding almost to a a two-guard role at times with Brevin Pritzel also on the court um, in lieu of Trice's struggles. And you also saw uh, Tyler Wall getting a lot more work instead of Aleem Ford. He actually is out, outplayed him minutes-wise in the last two games, so I think those two starters really uh, just need to regain their confidence. It, it's hard because the Wisconsin uh, defense, our team is predicated so heavily on the defense that I know that they're really struggling with that. But their outside shots are really where it's been a struggle. I can't remember Aleem Ford hitting a three the last couple of games. I just it just doesn't seem like it's it's going for him. And Demetrius Trice, you know, he's usually is so so good at that as that in that like mid range in rhythm jump shot where he kind of just really elevates but that's just not there right now he's still elevating but I don't know what it is um, but they just need to they need to go ahead and try to fix that uh, quickly because you can't have two of your starters going over uh, in, in really a back-to-back games in a lot of ways
0: yeah yeah you're exactly right I mean the, I think those guys are are hopefully just in a cold stretch and and can work their way back into contributing. And obviously, like we said, both of them play pretty good defense and at times there can be some offensive struggles and you you've thankfully had guys around them that have stepped up. So if they can get those guys to, to kind of get their confidence back, it's only gonna help, you know, come March because other players, you know, like a Tyler Wall and, and Trevor Anderson are starting to, you know, build some confidence and, and develop themselves. So it's as long as you're winning games, it's a good problem to have. Obviously down the stretch Yeah. It was tight, you know, back and forth. The Badgers got it out to a lead, but then Maryland, you know, stormed back and got the lead of their own. I think you were at the game, right? Did you go? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, You know, on TV, obviously we've seen it a little bit already where, where Micah Potter and and Nate Reavers have not been on the floor at the same time. And obviously, you know, Dan Dockich was, was a little struggling with, with why that was, but in those critical moments, uh, you know badger twitter was was really starting to question why micah potter wasn't on the floor down the stretch is there anything that greg guard mentioned in the post i don't know if you went to the post game stuff or not but, or just what did you think was the reason for for not him not seeing the court in the last few minutes
1: yeah greg guard mentioned it in this in uh the post game he was specifically asked about it and he he just talked about uh micah potter's defense and that how jalen smith did a lot of his damage on potter uh Nate Reavers did an outstanding job on defense. He did a little bit better job on hedging some screens, making sure to, um, you know, block out better against him. Micah Potter really struggled with that. Um, Nate Reavers was plus eight on the game, whereas Micah Potter was minus six. I know that the staff is very heavy into uh, analytics when it comes down to the stretch. If you w- look at usually at the um, during the game, you can see the guys who are out on the court at the end are usually the guys who are in the have a really good Uh, plus minus at the time so I know that that was a big reason for it Micah Potter for what he was offensively has struggled in that game on defense against a really talented guy like Jalen Smith I think they need to find some ways to sometimes get them on the court at the same time I think it's also hard though on the defensive end because you have two big guys two guys who are like 6'10 6'11 trying to go out and and guard sometimes you get a a forward who's a little bit quicker or you might have them in when you do those switches you have two big guys that might have to end up guarding going against guards and that's never what you want um and so I think that's kind of where Greg Guard is is leaning towards it also helps keep those guys fresh but does that mean I don't wish that I saw saw it at least give them see them give it a try to put both Potter and Reavers well hell no I'd love to see them see what they could do together because what because they both can be dynamic uh, in the paint uh, and outside when they're going. And, you know, we've seen
0: Potter only elevate his game these past few games. Yeah. And, you know, as as much as you want to move past the beginning of the season with Micah Potter, they, and of course it's not his fault, it's, it's an NCAA, you know, blunder, but they maybe would have been able to work on this a little bit, getting those guys on the floor in games, you know, that, were you know, McNeese State early in the season where you could maybe work on a couple of those games that you you felt fairly comfortable you that you were gonna win coming into it, so it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But really in big ten play, you can't afford especially right now where you know Badgers I, I wouldn't say are on the bubble by any means right now. But you you've already got six losses. You can't you know afford to to take too many chances. Greg Gard's got to go with what he knows and and what he sees. And I think Badger fans as a whole, I know it's hard for them at times to trust Greg Gard, but you've got to trust his rotation because lately they've played a lot better.
1: Yeah, no, they're playing a lot better, and and I think I think Potter's emergence is going to only continue. He's going to see his minutes go up. You know, he only played in 13 minutes in this game. Um, but, like I said, that was primarily because of the defensive end. At other times, Potter has been the um, the bully down low and, and really ate up some rebounds and gotten some block shots so it, it's it 's going to be dependent. You saw last game, Potter was the guy in there down the, uh, down the, the stretch and not reverse so they 're going to go with the hot hand the guy who 's having the the more impact on both ends of the field uh, field the court and uh, in this one it, it just was reverse and you know I, I think it worked in the end and that's all that really matters in basketball is did you get the w
0: yeah exactly and the badgers were able to do that which was huge in terms of big 10 standings obviously maryland was was towards the top you know they'll drop back and now the badgers currently sit in third place in the big 10 obviously you know a game behind illinois and uh, michigan state and that's going to be the the badgers next opponent on the road so that's going to be an important one just given, you know, Michigan State's had some struggles so far and obviously Badgers, you know, their history in Wisconsin going to East Lansing has been a struggle at times. So how big of a game is that uh, on Friday evening to try and and really make this run as special as you could? Oh, it's massive. I mean, we've been talking about this this team the last couple weeks and about
1: how this stretch was the one that I had kind of seen. I saw, I saw, the you got three ranked teams you got Penn State then you had Maryland and then you have uh Michigan State and they've already gone out and won two of those games i had said the goal was getting two out of the three they've already got two secured if they could go and get that third game it would be absolutely huge they would go in into a tie for first place in the in the Big 10 and and have a chance to overtake illinois if illinois loses So, I mean, it's 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 definitely exciting. It's a huge game. It's going to be a tough game given uh, the talent that's on Michigan State side. But at the same time, they just lost to Purdue in just like a whip down fashion. So you never know how teams are going to react. It's in East Lansing, which is never an easy place to play, especially on a Friday night. But I think the Badgers, if they can stick to their defense, they'll keep it close and have a shot.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you mentioned it, that Michigan State just got you know, not only beat by Purdue, but got the doors blown off by Purdue. And that's that's definitely going to be something that Tom Izzo is going to look at and, and coach them up in, in preparation for this game because they didn't have one in between. So it's going to be a massive matchup for both teams to, you know, for Wisconsin to, to keep the momentum riding in the right direction and for Michigan State to – maybe right the ship and, and get back from, from a really bad loss. So I can't wait to watch that one. Obviously, like we've already both touched on, East Lansing is not an easy place to play, especially for Wisconsin in the past, but it's going to be fun. Any uh, Anything you you want to preview from that game? I know it's uh, Friday evening and we, we did focus more on the recap, but anything really stick out to you for, for how Michigan State and Wisconsin match up? I I think similar to the
1: Maryland game, you've got a a similar um, way that their team is kind of built. They've got two superior players in Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston, both of which came back um, and spurred the NBA draft. They could have left last year and and been drafted fairly high. Um, Xavier Tillman, you know, 6'8 forward, really got inside out game. Um, I think he's going to be a matchup that's going to be exciting to watch. You know, in a way, I'm I'm interested to see who they match up with him. I would. And. Anticipate that it's probably going to be a lean forward, although we might see a little bit of Reavers or Potter, depending upon if Michigan State goes tall or if they go small ball. And then Cassius Winston is, I mean, he was the preseason All-Big Ten Player of the Year for a reason, Uh, preseason All NCAA All-American for a reason. He's averaging 18 plus points a game. And he, he's a dude and Wisconsin's going to have to really stick in his in his pocket. Demetrius Trice is going to be uh, once again going up against a really, really quick and talented guard. So I, I think this isn't the game for people to expect Dimitri Trice to come out and, and blow the doors off of it with another 31 point game like he had a few weeks ago. But if, if he has some solid defense against Cass- Cassius Winston, holds him
0: under his season average, they'll have a shot in this game uh, in my eyes. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that's going to be a, a fun matchup to watch, and, and kind of a stretch where Wisconsin's faced some some really good guard play, and and that's probably part of it too with Demetrius' Trice struggles that he's probably exerting a lot of effort on that defensive end going against some some high quality guys. So Cassius Winston will probably be the the toughest test out of all of them, but it's a good one. And, and realistically, you know, a month and a half ago, if you would have told me this Badger team would be, you know going to East Lansing in a, in a battle to move them into a tie for first in the big 10. I think we both would have signed up for that instantly. Oh yeah, for sure. That's all I've got for basketball. Anything else you want to touch on before we transition over to uh, some football talk? Uh, I think the one thing is I can't say it enough. Just the, the heady play that
1: Davison had on that inbound, you know, he talked about it in the post game, how he he kind of let Cowan get ahead of him a, a bit to 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 bait the inbound pass to him, and then he was able to tap it. He tried to grab it, but couldn't, and then just threw it off of the inbounder. Just tremendously smart play. I mean, he is one of the smarter basketball minds out there uh, on the court. Greg Gard called him the heartbeat of the team in the post game. He he's he's a guy that the stats don't always wow you. He's he's never going to be the guy that uh, the, I guess the shooting guard that a lot of fans wish the Badgers had, he's not going to be Devin Harris. He's not going to be Michael Finley in, in that regard, but man, he makes some, some special plays. And, you know, I think the last time I saw a play that was that smart, like the smarts of understanding the game to throw it off of a guy was when Michael Flowers late in the game, just threw it straight up yeah. in the air to to try to kill time. And that those are the type of, um thoughtful moments that it's just like wow what a what an amazing play and then for him to just drill that dagger of a three pointer right after it was just i it was such a cool experience to be there for the game and to kind of see that um i've seen a lot of big basketball games and for him to do that it was that was not what i expected to happen after the badgers uh had like i said probably the worst offensive possession of the season
0: oh yeah i mean that was a disaster that that last that last shot wasn't even it wasn't even a halfway decent shot. It was. Did it even hit rim? Did it even did that ball even touch a rim? No, no. It was. It was a. Uh,
1: it was a. Um, what do you call it? Uh, shock, it?
0: Sh- shot clock violation. So oh, okay. it was.
1: That's why it was inbounded on the bottom, like it was. And it for the Badgers to to make that play, they all were dialed into what they had to do. And for Davison to just make such a smart and charismatic play in that moment was, was, was vital. And it, it won them the game. And Mark Turgeon, you could see it in his face. He brought up that he was devastated at, at at the end. And I, I don't blame him because they had that game just about
0: sewed up and, and Brad Davison just stole it from them. Yeah. He came back and essentially totally, like I tweeted out, totally redeemed himself. Cause I was, I was so frustrated with that last possession and then he comes out makes a defensive play and, and wins you the game, and and all is forgotten. So the Badgers ended up picking up a huge win in Big Ten play and setting them up uh, for a huge contest with Michigan State on Friday night. All right, guys, that wraps up the basketball talk for us. Uh, We're going to kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we're going to continue our recap preview position, and we're going to go and talk about the safety position. All right, guys, we've talked plenty of basketball for the episode. Obviously a lot to talk about with that but now we're going to get into some football. We, we try to keep it mixed up and it's hard to not talk Wisconsin football because I know that's a huge chunk of our listeners base and everybody loves basketball, but football is is definitely the main driver for us. And we wanted to continue our preview and, and not just do every position you know in a row. We wanted to switch it up a little bit. So today we're going to talk about and recap the safety position, which was one that coming into the season there were some names that everyone kind of expected to play and, and that kind of got shaken up early on with the loss of Scott Nelson in that first game and I think a lot of people has, got worried about it because Nelson's first year was, was such a big presence. So Matt, what did you make of the uh, the safety position for Wisconsin in 2019?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought they played admirably well. I think Reggie Pearson had a tremendous year. He was um, up there in team tackles with 60, and was was really just a force as a hitter um, coming down. He's kind of a strong safety type in the box at times, um, but also really good in coverage. Um, I mean, he, they had him playing as the slot defender at the beginning of the year until Scott Nelson went down. And Eric Burrell, I can't say enough about the guy. He, he is, every year he comes in as, as the guy who's just be, behind startership, And then he finds a way and he starts most of the games and he makes plays. He gets forced fumbles and interceptions. And, you know, so he had three interceptions tops on the, uh, tops on the team. And then he had those two forced fumbles. That one that ended up with the Matt Hanks touchdown was absolutely huge. Um, he, 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 just had a great season. And then you have Colin Wilder who is a really reliable backup and had some nice plays as well. So They have a really nice nucleus there. And then you bring back a guy like Scott Nelson. And uh, I think they played great this year. And I think they're only going to be better next season.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think Eric Burrell's presence that, you know, you mentioned that he he was kind of behind guys. going to be a a package type guy, you know, get worked in there. And then Scott Nelson goes down and Eric Burrell stepped in. And I, I really think he was one of the more underrated players on this 2019 team. To step in into a starting role when you when you maybe didn't expect it, I'm sure he wanted to, and and not only you know step in and fill the role, but to perform the way he did was was really remarkable. And I, I kind of just have to tip my cap to him. And for him coming back as a, a senior next year in a in a pretty deep group is going to be fun to watch because I thought he was tremendous all season long. And then obviously you touched on Reggie Pearson as well. His presence was was really you know, a, a hard hitter. I, I can't think of a guy, you know, at the college level that, if he was running at me full bore and about to hit me, Reggie Pearson would would scare the daylights out of me. And I can't imagine, you know, opposing offenses and receivers want to come over the middle against a guy like that and, and know you're going to take a shot. And his presence is is pretty is pretty tremendous. And then, you know, Colin Wilder, you worked in there at times, and then you're going to get Scott Nelson back, who, who was tremendous his first season. So this group in 2020 has a lot of familiar names with good seasons and I think they really have a chance to to jump up and be a, a really great position for the Badgers next season.
1: Yeah I mean the secondary in general is going to be I think improved just because they return everybody including Scott Nelson coming back but I mean Eric Burrell was a consensus All Big Ten um, honorable mention pick so I mean he, he he definitely got some notice at what he did and I think, you know, you look at what that secondary did, they they were able to hold, um, at least in defensive ranks, they were number nine in third down conversions, number six in opponent completion percentage, the whole defense was 10th in points allowed, and they were number 12 in passing yards allowed. So a lot of that has to do with the defense, they're making a lot of calls back there for the secondary and, and in a lot of ways, you know, mirror what the quarterback is doing on the other side of the field. Um, in terms of the secondary understanding where everybody should be, and I thought I thought Reggie Pearson, Eric Burrell did an awesome job this season, and I think they're poised to to make it really tough on the staff to figure out what's the best combination of guys on the
0: field to, uh, next year. yeah, that's gonna be tough because you 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 don't know, obviously, you hope Scott Nelson returns to the same player that he was, but it was obviously a tough injury and and he's worked it back and and that left leg injury. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, and again, you know, especially at a secondary position, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks early. There's only one quarterback on the field at a time. So to have multiple guys, you're not going to get worked in there at, at the safety position, you can come up with different packages. And obviously Jim Leonard is, is one of the brightest minds, especially at that position, you know, him playing that for so many years, he's going to be able to, to hopefully work this group that is experienced and deep, to to get them in the right position to only make them better. So I know uh, I know obviously Scott Nelson is is battling back and should be of course in the conversation, but it's not something where he has to be 100 percent ready to go right away to to make an impact. They can work him back in in certain positions and in certain situations to to set him up for as successful as a, you know a possible 2020 season.
1: Yeah, because I mean Scott Nelson for for as much as he did do well. Uh, as a red shirt freshman he also struggled at times with tackling he struggled with injuries he he, he would miss a big chunk of time so he hasn't really been healthy uh, the past two seasons at Wisconsin fully and I think if he's able to do that they would go a long way because he is he is such a like at practices he is probably the loudest person I mean I take that back Chris Orr was by far the loudest <laughs> dude um, of all time uh, in, during practices but um, if it wasn't Chris Orr, it was, it was almost always Scott Nelson who was chirping. The dude was constantly um, in the ear of wide receivers, um, always excitable, running around excited with teammates, uh, even when he wasn't out, out there. Um, so I, I think his, his voice and leadership will be big. Eric Burrell's leadership is going to be big. And then you've got a young guy like Reggie Pearson, who's, who's uber talented, um, really excitable. I think he's in for a really big year next year. I'm just, I think they're going to use a lot more free safety sets. I think they're going to have to, to try to get their best, uh, personnel on the field because you are losing some linebackers. You got all these safety weapons that can come out come in and play. Cause I mean, if you're thinking about it, Reggie Pearson is similar. Michael Caputo in that he he's kind of a rover can kind of play a hybrid linebacker also being coverage so I think they can find a way to get those guys all on the field because Scott Nelson brings so much leadership with his his voice and Eric Burrell as well with his leadership but it's going to be a nice problem to have for Jim Leonard
0: yeah yeah exactly you hit the nail on the head that's a good problem to have with with those three guys and I would I would expect to probably see that as well with with just the presence that Reggie Pearson brings as, as both, you know, in pass coverage and as a guy that can, he's not afraid to get up and hit anyone. We've seen him really pop some guys all season long. So if you're, if you're finding a way to finagle and get your best 11 on the field, those three are going to be in the conversation because you, like you mentioned the linebacker position while it has some names, it's going to be missing maybe some athleticism. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jim Leonard dials up that group and, uh, and, and really finds a way to work them all in but I would expect a, a jump from you know I think probably all three of those guys obviously it's it's tough to project where Scott Nelson's going to be coming back from it injury but Reggie Pearson had a big jump in you know his redshirt freshman season he did not play like a redshirt freshman he played like a really experienced guy and and he'll you know jump up and I think have a tremendous season next season and then Eric Burrell, I think you got to have high expectations just given the situation that he stepped into this year. Now coming in, knowing that he's going to be on the field, you know, not worrying about, you know, maybe getting a starting spot, maybe working into some plays. He's going to be on there all the time. And it's it's going to be a fun group to watch for a team that's going to have some question marks. I, I, I don't think the safety position is going to be one of them.
1: Yeah, no, the only question is, how are you? how are you going to use all these guys that you got? Because you don't want to just waste them and they'll definitely be able to keep the guys fresh. But I mean, they even got some young talent in the wings that's coming through. I thought John Torchio, when he came in during the Michigan game played really well, you know, he spurned uh, scholarship offers from Cal and others to, to walk on at Wisconsin. And I thought he did a really nice job with that interception um, and in that spot duty, he was also good on special teams. And and then you got a guy like Titus Tolera, who's, who's, Probably not going to see the field until he's at least a, a sophomore, uh, at least in the starting capacity at safety, because of the sheer fact that there's so many talented guys in front of him um, next year and uh, and everything. So they've, they've got talent in the wings. They, I mean, it's pretty, fairly telling that they didn't go out and get a safety this past class. So they yep. obviously feel pretty good about it. Um, but but man, they, it's it's a good problem to have to be Jim Leonard, uh, at least in the secondary next year.
0: Yeah, and the exciting part is like we talked about already, Jim Leonard, you know, you played that safety position. So if there's a guy that's gonna get everything out of those three players and, and even Torchio and, and Colin Wilder behind him, it's gonna be Jim Leonard and you know a full off season working with, with five guys that, that saw the field. Obviously Torchio only saw a little bit, but to work with a, a group and, and see their jump to next season is gonna be exciting. So Again, you know, a position that uh, you don't probably have to worry about as a safety position. And and I'm really excited to see not only those four, but how they work with a cornerback position that really is is kind of in the same boat where, you know, obviously we'll do a full position preview for them, but really that cornerback group is kind of the same thing where they're evolving and and pretty much everybody's going to be back to, to give Wisconsin a pretty strong secondary, which is something... Badger teams of the past has struggled to find a, a consistent and solid secondary, you know, both at both positions. Yeah. And I, th- I think they have a nice, a nice nucleus
1: right now. And I anticipate that next year they'll they'll probably be hard because they're going to lose some guys um, to graduation, but, but man, it, it, the cupboard is not bare whatsoever um, going into next year. And I, I'm excited to see it because if you look like a guy like Madison Cohn who's listed as a, as a safety, you, you saw him at spot duty as a uh, as a nickel at times, but but really you didn't see him nearly as much as what you saw as a redshirt freshman from him. He, he's a guy who has who got some talent. He's undersized, so he's kind of limited to that nickel role um, because he's, he's not like a, a sheer burner, but he has some really long wing, wingspan. But, I mean, you, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle when you've got a guy like Colin Wilder who started for a season at – Houston and then walked on to Wisconsin and then recently was um, put on scholarship. So, I mean, you got, you got guys in the wings and a lot of talent, but um, it, it's, it's going to be fun to see what they do in, in the spring. Cause I, I think there will be some creative wrinkles that are put in place with this unit.
0: Yeah. This unit is going to be fun to watch. And, and the, the creative mind of Jim Leonard's, I think going to dial up some, some fun stuff, some fun blitzes exotic blitzes that that should get Badgers fans really excited for a secondary that you know coming into this season was a little bit of a question mark I don't think you know similar to how cornerback was last season was a big question mark and not so much coming into this season and I think you're going to be you know in for a treat watching these guys play anything else on the uh, safety position otherwise we'll wrap up uh, another episode another week of the podcast no I think that that hits the nail on the head and I think we uh, wrap that position up. And I think,
1: um, you know, the, the Michigan State game is going to be a fun one to discuss no matter which way that that unfolds. So um, hopefully Wisconsin can go out and, and get a W though, because that would go a, a long way in securing their uh, their chances for a, a top four finish in the Big Ten.
0: Yep. That's going to be the main goal. And obviously Friday night will be a lot of fun to watch. Going to East Lansing once again. Uh, what time does that one tip? Do you know? Uh, six o'clock. So it's six a six o'clock. o'clock game on Friday.
1: Um, it, it's it's going to be a big game and it's on FS1. I know FS1 has just been really crushing the basketball scene. Yeah. They've been doing a really good job of getting some good games uh, on the network and um, putting it on TV for folks because basketball is always just kind of all over the board with what channel it's on. It's not like your, your traditional, yeah. oh, yeah, this game is going to be at 330 on CBS. You know, like right. you, you have to kind of do a little bit of... um looking through the weeds to find it, but um that should be a good game
0: and an exciting one. Yeah, exciting one for a for a potential first place tie in the Big Ten Conference, which has been completely wacky and in, in college basketball in general. It's just been an incredible season. So make sure to tune in to that on Friday evening. That wraps up another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to rate review and subscribe if you do not al- do not already. We'll be back with you guys next week to get into some other position previews and, of course, recap the Michigan State contest. Thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.